The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. been dead for such a very, very long time, but I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. Welcome to the seventh episode of Beauty, the Beast, and the Bees. It's time for our annual Halloween episode, so we've got three scary treats lined up for you. First up, Allison Bree and Dan Stevens go away for a murder-filled weekend in The Rental. Guy Madison and Patricia Medina discover a Tyrannosaurus Rex near their ranch in Mexico in The Beast of Hollow Mountain. And Linda Blair and Peter Barton join the party at a dilapidated mansion chock full of deformed murderers for Hell Night. But before we get to all that, please help me welcome back to the microphone and my co-host and the founder of the B-Movie BFFs website, Kelly Ogaboom. Hello, Tim. How are you doing? I'm so good. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, now that we've gotten all our technical issues out of the way, uh, <laughs> what have you been watching lately? Anything good? Any depressing Norwegian murder mysteries featuring drab middle-aged nude uh, male protagonists? Um, you know, I took a break from that. <laughs> um, that is my milieu, but... Um... I've watched a lot of good stuff, um, and I'm just going to rattle off really quickly because I know we would never have time to go into depth, but <laughs> I I did watch um, Underwater, which is like a science fiction um, action film. I think it's from this year with Kirsten Stewart. It was really fun and really unexpected. So if you if you like, it's kind of like The Abyss, but much more creepy, and I really, really loved it. Um I also watched the Kevin Bacon, uh, You Should Have Left. Um, mm, how was that? Thriller. Uh, okay, I don't even know what to say. It, it's so unusual to see Kevin Bacon in that kind of role. Mm. Um, Amanda Seyfried <clears throat> plays his like, younger wife, and um, I did like it. I don't know that most people would, um, but I ended up really liking it, and it was nice and spooky. And, and Kevin Bacon is like fun to watch. Um, I just, I don't know why, but I, I had a good time with that one. Um, and I've been watching Nosferatu. Have you heard of that TV show? Oh yeah. With, um, oh God, it's his name, uh, from Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his last name. It's Zachary Quinto. Yes. Zachary Quinto. Quinto yeah. Yes. 
And of course, he was the main, I think he came into um, our knowledge through um, Heroes. I think he was the bad guy in Heroes, the main antagonist. Right. I, I mainly know him from the Star Trek reboot. Right. And uh, he was on several seasons of uh, American Horror Story as well. Yes, he was, which I never saw him in that. Um, but I, I have to say, so Nosferatu is so good. It's so weird. It's very ambitious. I'm a, I'm a season and a half into it. Um, and it's based on a horror book, I think, or maybe it's a series of books. I have no idea. Written by Joe Hill, who is famously Stephen King's son. Right. And I really like it. I feel like it's, it's a bit slow in places, but it's so cool. And it's definitely doesn't go places you'd expect. And he, Zachary Quinto, as well as the, um, Ashley Cummings, who's the other lead, they are both great. Um, and like, if you, I mean, he's a great creep in this. It's super, super fun. He's a vampire, right? Uh, Ish. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely a vampire of sorts. And the way that they tell the way that they uh, display the lore, they don't spell it out for you. And I always like that. I always like that when you kind of have, you're not sure what's going on or what powers people have. Um, and then I just have to briefly mention that, uh, I, I also watched, um, Oh, what was it? I watched uh, Dunkirk and I watched 1917 in the same day, which was a super fun, like... That was a fun like, nine hours. Yeah, it was super <laughs> fun. But I have to say, like, both of those movies were great. And, I mean, anyone listening probably knows those are, I don't know, a couple of years old. They're both war movies. And they're very artsy, beautiful war movies. Mm. And um, I really like them both. 1917 is in, uh, really impressive because it's shot as if it's in one take. Oh, wow. actually, actually two takes. But y- if you watch it, Tim, you will not even know how they made it. You will just not understand how they possibly did it. And then I, I was like, I'm on a roll with the war movies. So then I watched Fury from a few years ago. With Brad oh, God. Pitt. It was a turd. <laughs> it was a terrible <laughs> film. It was a mistake. I should have stopped when I was ahead. It was a crappy war movie. Just trash. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And then the last yeah. thing I'd mention is... Um, my oldest and I are watching a lot of horror movies right now. So we just watched the original Halloween last night. And a few days ago, we watched I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hadn't seen that since it came out in the theater. And I have to say, it it holds up. It's pretty fun. And I actually liked it more than Scream. So, <gasps> and of course, it's, yes, it's got acting royalty from the 90s, right? It's got Sarah Michelle Gellar and... Freddie Prince and um, Ryan Philippe and Jennifer Love uh, Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt, whom I've never enjoyed watching in anything, but I know what you did last summer is is super fun, and it was cool to see it again after how many years is that? A lot. Oh or, yeah, yeah. I, I think that was ninety yeah. seven. <laughs> yeah, I think it was ninety seven. Yes, is that 23 Because it was like one of those, the first ones to cash in on Scream. So it definitely is in that <clears throat> vein and. And it, I, you know, it's pretty cool. I, I, when I went to watch it on Facebook, I said I was watching a soft slasher. But then as I watched it, I'm like, oh, there are some really nasty kills in this. Like, it's oh yeah, as, yeah, it's not as soft as I thought. But yeah, I think the the fun. hook in the chin, grabbing somebody and yeah. <laughs> tracking them over some ice blocks or something, whatever. Yeah, and yeah, there's some brutal kills in it. Not a massive body count. You know, like we're about to watch Halloween 2018, and it's like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's like. 16 people or something yeah (laughs) well anyway i've been watching a lot of slasher films and like i told you earlier today i got up in the middle of the night last night to use the bathroom i was like okay i'm gonna get murdered (laughs) like i'm just like like i'm so amped 
up on that shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I'll, it's funny you mentioned. I know you did last summer. I watched the sequel, the well, the first sequel. Um, I still know what you did last summer, and it's incredibly trashy. But for some reason, it's so enjoyable. It's got a much higher body count. And it, they always do, right? Yeah, it's all well, right, exactly. And it takes place on a tropical island during a hurricane. Oh, okay. Like they're trapped in a resort. Have you ever seen it? I haven't. I remember. If I have, I forgot. And is anyone in it, or is it just all like? Oh, it's all C-list? the whoever. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say all the survivors. There's literally only two from the the first one. Uh, so you get Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince Jr. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <clears throat> so. Jennifer Love Hewitt and her be- her new best friend, <laughs> never be her best friend. It's like being friends with Sidney Prescott. Don't be their right. best friend <laughs> because it's not going to end well. Um, uh, her and Brandy uh, win some uh, radio show contest and win this tropical weekend at this resort. And um, so they go there. And, of course, now they're cut off from the mainland because all the boats have mysteriously been sunk and all the phone lines have been cut and everything. And, uh, you know, you know, it's it's not going to be good when the hotel manager is Jeffrey Combs. And uh, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> it's not promising for your, your uh, lifespan. Um, and, of course, the, there's a resident Rasta guy played by Jack Black. <laughs> Oh, he's so hard. obnoxious in that movie. Uh, but anyway, so it, it, it's got a, a really fun cast, actually, and they never really take the time to explain how the fisherman isn't dead and is in this film. Um, well, wait, but at the end of the first one, he just kind of gets knocked into the water. And and they're like, oh, sounds good. I'm like, no, man, you need to go hunt that fucker down. So, yeah, no, I was very primed for a sequel. Can I just say, yeah. okay, the, the whole premise of I Know What You Did Last Summer, they accidentally run over a guy, yeah. and then they, they do murder him. They chuck him in the water, and a year later, she's all depressed, right? She's, she's, got, she's not wearing makeup anymore. You know, she's all depressed, okay? So then you have all the events of the film, and all of her friends get murdered, including her sister, someone's sister. No, Sarah McKellar. Anyway, Sarah Michelle Geller's sister, yeah. Right, bunch of murders. <clears throat> So then they flash forward a year, and she is so peppy. She's in the locker room. She's oh, like, yeah. Oh, hey. I'm like, really? So you were more disturbed by accidentally killing the stranger than you were the events of the slasher <laughs> yeah. film. Like, she's just fine, and like, a year later. I just thought that was so funny. Yeah. It, it, uh, <laughs> it, you get a kind of a little bit of that in the sequel as well, where it's, it, it's hysterically contrived. The way they get them to this island... Uh, without asking any questions whatsoever, <laughs> you know. You think she'd be a little guarded after her life experiences? Yeah, that sounds good. Plus, like you know, it's like oh, I, it's, she gets a call. That the whole way it is is they get a call, and it's like this radio station, and it, it and they literally go so far, if I recall, to have something that's like WKIL, you know, or something, and she's like, oh yeah, it's my favorite radio station. <laughs> that's so. <laughs> That's so funny because Phoenix and I were talking about I Know What You Did Last Summer because we were like, <clears throat> it's it's almost self-aware, but it's not quite parody. Yeah. It, it's a really cool line where it's not quite camp, but it's right up to that line. 
And so I'm not surprised to hear that the sequel got campier, right? That happens a lot too, right? Yeah, oh yeah, but boy, this the, the sequel's so much bloodier though. I mean, holy crap, uh, it's very uh, violent. But it is. I do like the setting with the tropical island during a hurricane because you've constantly got the rain and the wind, and, and every time they have to run from one, you know hut to another you know they're just soaking wet and 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 so it, it, thunder and lightning so you know the atmosphere's there and it, it, it's that's cool it's fun i recommend we, it it's dopey we watched it <laughs> we watched i know what you did last summer because we also watched scary movie uh, which um scary movie's pretty funny but man there's some comedy in it that's pretty offensive um well, and just yeah. offensive and not funny so that's a great combo but um, I know what you did last summer is one of the main films that uh, Scary Movie is lampooning. Yeah, that um, and Scream for the most part. Scream yeah. and um, I, there's a couple more in there. I, I do like the first two Scary Movies quite a bit, so we'll probably watch the second one. I actually well. did find them, if you know, fairly entertaining. Um, yeah. And I had a there's big Anna great... Ferris crush at the time. So. Anna, oh, yeah, yeah. She's, she's so funny in that, those. And there's a lot of great physical comedy. There's just a lot of great comedic timing in them. But um, then there's just a lot of trash, just absolute <laughs> trash. So. Yeah. Um, anything else? Oh, probably, but it's definitely time to hear what you've been watching. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I got this box set that you are just going to absolutely love called, uh, called Forgotten Jolly. Okay, best Forgotten Jolly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's three of uh, these uh, Jallo films that are um, from uh, – actually, I think they're all from Spain. And I've watched two of them so far. The first one I watched was uh, The Killer is Among the Thirteen, and which they have such great titles for these things. Um, boring as hell. Holy crap. Mm. It literally, okay, it's like an hour and 20 minutes long, and nobody gets murdered for an hour and three minutes. <laughs> You're like, come on, guys. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you've got a cast of 13 victims. When is somebody going to die? And then finally, literally, they kill five people in, like, a four-minute span. It's like, bam, 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 bam. (laughs) And you don't get any – there's no build-up to it. It's just like, you, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's so it was that was that by design or by inept filmmaking oh it's clearly inept filmmaking it was just like not not directed well uh the pacing of it was just like real i really didn't need an hour of people just wandering around a palatial estate to, uh, talking about uh, their ennui um <laughs> and then the second one i watched last night was is called trauma and that was actually really good um, and it's this woman and she has a, um, <clears throat> a bed and breakfast that she runs and this one guy shows up and she's clearly sort of enamored with this guy. And then uh, more guests start showing up and, and the other guests all start getting murdered, um, mainly because they're horny and constantly nude. Um, yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta die. And it, it, the thing is funny about the film is that they, they they try so hard to try and set up a psycho kind of scenario because you always see the woman talking to what we think is her husband. It, like you see the back of a high back chair 
and she's always looking at it. And she's like, you know, how dare you do this to me? And blah blah blah. And you never hear anybody speaking to her. And so, like, by the, you get to the end of the movie, you're like, gee, I wonder if the husband's dead, you know. And, but the thing is, it's so funny. The movie is so straight faced about it. Like, aren't you surprised? You know, at the no, end. Frankly, I am not. <laughs> but it's so it's so entertaining, though. It's really well done, uh, even though it's just like script wise, it's just lacking. But. Um, <clears throat> I still have one more to watch out of that set, and you know I will share that with you, because um, I know you love them so much. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another one I watched was um, on Shutter, uh, called Starfish. Have you seen that? Uh, I saw a trailer, for, or like I didn't watch the trailer, but I saw the trailer for it. Yeah. Uh, it's a beautiful film, really well shot. It stars Virginia Gardner, who you might remember from. Uh, Halloween 2018 that you're going to watch tonight. Uh, the babysitter who has the, the little kid she's babysitting. Vicky. Vicky, Vicky yes. Yeah. yeah, so she's the lead in this one. And uh, she wakes up one morning to find, uh, after her friend's funeral, to find that the, everybody is is gone except for some people she can hear over a, a, a walkie-talkie. And there are apparently horrible creatures that have destroyed and killed the human race while she was Ooh. asleep. And it's really good. I really liked it. The only thing I will say is the ending made no sense to me whatsoever. I have no idea what happened in the last 15 minutes of that. And I might need to rewatch it again. Maybe I missed something. But <clears throat> the... Uh, the New York Times review of it, uh, their their little uh, headline for it was a sci-fi mystery shrouded in grief, and I, I guess that's the best way uh, to describe it because the whole film she's basically mourning her best friend who passed away <laughs> at the beginning of the film, and it, uh, her her way of supposedly battling these creatures, her friend supposedly knew about what what was coming and put together a puzzle for her to decipher that would enable her to protect herself and maybe get rid of these monsters or whatever. And it, I thought it was really well done. Um, not, uh, not really something I usually watch, uh, but I, I don't know. I thought it was well, really good. Um, and I, just started watching the the latest season of Fargo mm -hmm. with Chris Rock and it's I mean just like the other seasons it's really well done I mean it's set in 1950 in Kansas City and it's the 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 attention to detail as far as the period goes unparalleled as usual I mean beautiful sets beautiful cars and and, and costuming everything is just pitch perfect uh and i'm really excited to see where it goes and um do you uh, did you ever get to see the film i'm thinking of ending things no it's on uh uh netflix mm -mm. well it's it's, it's uh, again uh, it's an interesting psychological study it's a man and a woman um uh, the, the man is uh jesse plemons and who was in season two of Fargo and um, what's her name? Uh, Jesse Buckley plays okay. his girlfriend and it, it, it's him. 
taking her to meet his parents out in the in the country, in the secluded farm. Oh. <laughs> and it's written by Charlie Kaufman, so that and uh, directed okay. by him as well. So you know you're in for some like interesting mental uh, gymnastics going on here. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, that's where I first saw Jesse Buckley, and then she's in the fourth season of Fargo and she plays like an angel of death nurse who basically kills people, like kills her patients, you know, by injecting into their IVs and stuff. But she's got like, of course that folksy Minnesota, you know, accent and way about her and stuff. So she's very charming. And I, I, I really am excited to see where the, where the whole thing is going to go. Cause I, Clearly, I have no idea. Oh, she's in the current Fargo? Yes. So did you watch Chernobyl? No. Okay, she's in that as well. Oh, she is? Um, okay. Yes. Uh, Chernobyl's great, um, by the way. It's just great. Oh, There's I've heard good things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, well, that's... So is this the fourth season of Fargo? Yes, it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I was surprised Chris Rock actually does a good job. Because I, I, I've never, I've always liked him as a comic, but I never really thought that he was particularly a good, a very good actor. Well, Fargo takes people off type, right? Like yeah. I think this season has Andrew Bird, who's a musician that I'm, I've loved for many, many, mm. many years, and I, I think I don't know how big his part is, but I know he has a part in Fargo, so that's pretty cool. I mean. I'm sure, like, I would love it just for the costumes and the sets and the production design alone, let alone the plot, right? Is it, what, what was the name? Andrew, Adam Bird? A- Andrew Bird. Andrew Bird. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I'm trying to figure out who he plays in that. Um, let me see. <clears throat> who would he play? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's a bank robber. Thurman Smutney? No, funeral parlor owner Thurman Smutney. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's an undertaker. Right. Okay, yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, he does a good job. He's an amazing uh, uh, songwriter and musician, Tim. Like, amazing. Mm, okay, what kind of music? Uh, I don't know. He's very, he's a, he's like a virtuoso. He messes with violins a lot. He's also an amazing whistler. Um, I would call it indie music, but it's like folk, but it's a little edgier. I just love him. We've loved him forever. Um, my kids were raised on Andrew Bird and he does a lot of uh, concerts on Instagram right now. He's, he embraced the pandemic as soon as it happened and started putting out a lot of basically concerts, which is cool. Uh, okay. It says here, indie rock and folk musician, Andrew Bird. Okay. Well, it seems to fit into that category. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And an undertaker. Perfect. Because he is kind of, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast because he's kind of a gawky looking dude. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's kind of a skinny, skinny dude. Yeah. Um, It's also got, you know, like Jason Schwartzman and, uh, uh, is Ben, we, uh, we, Ben Wishaw. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. He's in there. There's a, there's a really good cast, um, that I, I'm very, I, I just, am, I, I love Fargo unabashedly from the first season on. Every season is like you're thrust into a, like a new world that they've created for, you know, 10 episodes or however many. And uh, just uh, proof that uh, Great Britain doesn't always have to have the edge on good TV. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Although they tend to. Uh <laughs> Overall, they tend to have better We're stuff. We're biased, though, Tim. <laughs> That's very true. 
Uh, okay, well, let's get to our feature presentation. Um, when young 30-somethings Charlie, Michelle, Mina, and Josh rent a seaside cabin for a getaway weekend, they think that the only recreation they're going to engage in is charades and charcuterie platters, but a mass killer has other ideas. After getting high and drunk, things really start to unravel as sex is had, cameras are discovered, and friendships are tested. As events spiral out of control, one thing's for sure, next time you'll think twice about purchasing the rental. Let me show you out back and then I'll get out of your hair. The stars are insane out here. I should have brought the telescope. We need a telescope in the city for? Unless you're like a peeping Tom or something. <laughs> Charlie! Tell me that's not a camera. Get through the night. We leave first thing in the morning. Charlie, all right? Stop being so calm. Everything is fine. in this by Dave Franco um, was really good. I mean, I think, you know, the film, it's not over long. It's, it, it's a lot of films nowadays. It's like, oh, well, I came out with the tw two hour and 20 minute cut. Now this is 88 minutes. And so uh, oh. the, the, the pacing, uh, it's a slow start, but once things get rolling, I think it, it's fairly entertaining. Um, I think the cast overall is is pretty good. Uh, I love Allison Brie uh, ever since Community, um, and uh, Toby Huss is like the creepy neighbor. Oh, he was so great! You know, I'm a big Toby yes. Huss freak. I love him. I yeah. loved him from Carnival. I freaking love him. Yes. In Reno 911, he plays Big Mike, who's my favorite <laughs> Reno 911 character. And that's saying a lot. Like, I'm a big Toby Huss fan. I uh, I know I get to see him again in Halloween 2018. I love him. And he was so good as this. Um, he's the land, not the landlord, but he's the landlord's brother who's managing this right. very posh Airbnb. And, he, and he's a creep. But it's like, is he a, is he murder creep? Is he stalker creep? Or is yeah. he just kind of boiler? <laughs> yeah, it, it, creep, it, right? clearly he's a racist. We get that right out of the gate that right. uh, he he won't uh, rent right. it to uh, to Mina 
because she's you know uh, Middle Eastern, right? And but then as soon as right. uh, the right. white guy calls, oh yeah, sure, it's available this weekend. Um, right. And so you get him, and you get some interesting scenes with him that are very tense uh, right out of the gate when they first arrive right. at the at the house. And um, but as with any film where you've got the creepy weirdo, you know that they're not the real problem. <laughs> right. Or or they're part of the problem, right. but they're not the big bad, um, right? So right. we got... Now, Dan Stevens, um, who I, I, I like, I've always liked him as an actor. Uh, so him and Alison Brie, are, they're, they're this couple, they get this place and they invite his brother and girlfriend... And I guess his brother's kind of a screw up. Um, and... Well, the girlfriend is his partner, right. his work partner. She's they they've been working really close together, and um, uh, she she's integral to the success of whatever. I don't know that if they do IT. I don't know what the right. They got like some sort of, of tech startup. Um, right, and they're way too yes. close. Like they're too chummy. Um, from the beginning, you're like, okay, what? Where's the movie going with this? And of course, it goes. Well, I thought like at the beginning because there was the first scene was them at work, and you know, because like initially he's looking, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, he brings up the um, the the B and B on the screen. He's like, oh, what do you think? And she like comes like right up over his shoulder with with her. I thought yeah, they were the couple. They might be a couple. I did. The, yeah. I think, I think the movie was very clever about that because it it makes you feel off kilter for the first fifteen minutes. You're like, wait, right. who is with who here? And then you realize that oh, they're supposedly just friends, but more importantly, they are work partners. And then he's got this wife. And actually, the I didn't like this film very much. However, the dynamic between the people was pretty good because the wife is kind of cheerful supportive and sweet but she's kind of the odd right. man out like the you know what i mean like she isn't really feeling like she fits in um and there's some romantic tension between mina and Charlie. whatever dan steven's name is um yeah yeah and then they yeah they get they they have a disagreement over whether they're going to get high or not and that creates some bad feelings <laughs> right yeah and then you know, the inevitable, like, you've been thinking for the first half hour of this week, okay, like, when are they having sex? <laughs> and right. Of course, uh, you know, like they, who who is stupid enough to have sex on a weekend w- w- with your wife around? <laughs> Why would you have sex with somebody like someone else when she's she can be home anytime? You know, and of course right. she does show up and be like, oh, uh, um, uh, let me get my belt back on here. Uh, yeah, it's just in the bathroom. And uh, so then they discover later on, Mina discovers that, oh, there's a camera in the shower and it's like, oh shit, that means that creepy guy's been watching us having sex and we've got to find those cameras and those tapes because we can't let our significant others find out that we were cheating on each, uh, on, on each of them. And, um, <clears throat> so it doesn't, there's really no actual element of, um, of fear per se, other than a creepy feeling that you're being watched by, you know, this, this, uh, horrible person. Um, until, uh, if I recall, they basically, they, uh, they confront Toby Huss's character and accidentally kill him. 
<laughs> they don't. Well, they, they think they, they do. They think they do. Yes. Yeah. I have to say that, like, unless the movie explained it, that's a pretty big plot twist that the place that that couple chose to have sex happens to be the place where the camera was. Well, I think if you if you if you remember, there was cameras all over the place, not just in the shower. That just happened to be, you know, oh, I'm going to watch somebody naked of, bathing or whatever. Cameras, okay. Yeah. Um, so as things spiral out of control, everything, you know, you think is going to happen happens. Like, gee, I wonder if Charlie's wife's going to find out that, you know, that they were screwing in the shower. Um, the only thing I didn't care for overall was I didn't like the ending. Yeah. You mean the very, very end or, well, well, no, I didn't like the fact that, literally everybody's dead at the end <laughs> because I, they, they had built it up in my mind that Mina was really your main character. You thought she might be a final girl that she might survive. Right. Right. She kind of came off like, cause she was the one standing up to Toby Huss for his racism. And, uh, she's the one who uh, you know, makes the big mistake with Charlie and, uh, she seems to be more in tune that, hey, something's wrong here. Yeah, she she is. She's, Which happens in horror movies, right? There's always a female character who's like, something's fucked up, we need to leave, something's wrong. And, you know, right. the people don't listen to her, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, she, she was set up as a final girl for sure. And she gets, yeah, she's the last of the four to get killed. I mean, I mean, she is the final girl, but I mean, she literally... I mean, okay, again, spoiler podcast. She literally dies because she just trips over a, a, a log and falls off the cliff into the ocean. <laughs> She's running away from the bad guy, from the killer, and it's like, ah! <laughs> She's gone. Um, and they just end with the, the, the killer comes in. And by the way, did, did was it me or did they state he, he killed the actual owner, right? I don't know. I can't remember because there was something about the fact that because um, remember it's always Toby Huss saying, "Oh, my brother rents this, and he's busy or he's doing whatever, he's out of town." Because I, I I wasn't quite clear on if this guy had actually murdered him as well or not, but you end up with it kind of full circle where he put gets another place, puts in cameras. And it ends with him attacking some other couple that's asleep or something. And, <clears throat> I, you know, I, those, I, I, I've kind of had my fill of the cyclical endings. Yeah, me too. Uh, it feels like um, a waste of time because when you're watching a survival horror film, you're going to identify with the victim or you're going to tr your brain wants to identify with somebody and therefore you want someone to survive or at least to, to sacrifice themselves and some good to come out of it, right? And so when you right. have a film, like this was my letterbox review, unpleasant people get away to spend an unpleasant time together and bad things happen to them. <laughs> like, like the <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, unfortunately, like everybody is kind of a dick. Um, I don't enjoy watching people psychologically unraveling when there's sort of no upside, <laughs> like because they mm. their friendship and marriages are unraveling, and then they get bashed to death with a hammer, and then at the end it's like, oh, he's a serial Airbnb predator. They show all of these um, cameras showing various different people in different Airbnbs, 
it's right. like, it's like, is this trying to make some kind of spooky Airbnb statement? Cause that's falling <laughs> quite flat. Right. So no, I just, the ending was a huge, um, the, the premise was okay. The psychology was pretty cute, but didn't you feel like there was going to be a point to the killer? There was going to be some tie yeah. in, like some tie in to them, but there isn't, it's just a guy right. who goes to Airbnbs and, and menaces and then kills everybody in them. And that's, yeah, it's just, yeah. he's just a random dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of like the like the killer in final exam. Which is my favorite example of that. <laughs> where it's literally it's like, oh, uh because if if you remember, if you ever see the trailer, it, the trailer's like, he's come home. Right. And it's like, but who who is he? We don't know. Why? We don't know. What do you do? Yeah, it wasn't relevant <laughs> at all. That is like I still laugh he's... when I think about that ending because it's like, we're gonna find out who it is. Just some dude. <laughs> yeah, he he reminds me of the Sonny Landam character in uh, Forty Eight Hours because mm, mm, mm. he's, he's like a Native American dude in like a uh, in like, kind of like a camo outfit. Well, not camo; it's just like Cargo an army, jacket, yeah, right, like pea green. <laughs> I have a jacket, like you know. That, Tim. <laughs> I, I'm sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but... this is the same thing where it's like, okay, if it's a random killer, I just feel like we were kind of led to think there was a mystery and there's literally no mystery. Right. So, ah, you know? Yeah. I, and, and I think, I mean, I liked a little bit of like the, the interplay between, at least in the first half hour, the interplay of the characters. Cause it was written by Joe Swanberg, uh, who's, um, one of the, the founders of the whole Mumblecore okay. movement. And, um, I, I, he, he also, I think, I believe co-wrote, uh, you're next. Um, which I love, um, and so I, I like that aspect of it, but I do think it kind of goes off the rails in like the last fifteen minutes, where, like I said, it, it it's got an unpleasant ending to it that just makes you kind of go. Uh. And here's another thing I think: he basically kills three of the four with a hammer. Mm. He just walks up to him, hits him in the head. And for a killer who had these labyrinthian schemes, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then he's like, walks up, bops you on the head. I just, I would have appreciated a couple more creative kills. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, it's like, oh, it would have been cool if like, oh, uh, we were out here using the rotisserie on the grill. Oh, yeah. no, I got impaled yeah, on it. Or, something. you know. <laughs> You know, anything, something you know, like that. You know, it kind but... of reminded me of Funny Games. Did you ever watch Funny Games? I, yeah. The original I, I, I'm not a big, European Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big home invasion oh fan. Oh, my God, because it's awful. Although, although I, I mean, I, I love Your Next, and I love The Strangers, mm. but for the most part, home invasion movies don't do it well, for they, me. Well, yeah, they suck. They, but I the, the nihilism of the ending and, you know, at the very end of Funny Games in the European one, anyway, they just push her off the boat and drown her and it's no big deal and that's kind of the last death in this one she runs off the cliff and he looks over he's like all right she's gone that's it it was very anticlimactic yeah so what uh what would you give this what is there are we one to ten again is that i forgot our rating system i have to say i'm gonna (laughs) be pretty harsh and give it a five i just feel like it it was a waste of my time and it could have been developed in a more clever way uh, I, I I'd probably give it just a little bit better. I'd give it a six, um, just because I thought that the I, I thought the acting was good. I, I thought there was some real uh, 
I think Dave Franco showed some real yes. skill as a director. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just I felt like it, it it just didn't come together at the end, and 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 as someone who, again, is a really big fan of Alison Brie, I I was not happy that she just got. <laughs> a hammer in the face or something but anyway <laughs> yeah no i think it was it was skilled and maybe well it would be interesting to see where else steve franco goes because i know he's made what a couple films now um but mm -hmm. um did he direct no he starred in the one about tommy Wiseau, but he didn't his brother directed oh yes it, or i can't remember who directed it yeah his okay. brother anyway um no i agree he's skilled it's just i i don't know um, it wasn't fun and it also wasn't clever enough. So that's a bad combo, right? I think if it would have been a little bit yeah. more fun, I think I would have loved it to be honest. Yeah. I, I think we're kind of, in and I think I'm that. pissed that they wasted Dan, Dan, um, Stevens because I am such a fan of him and I was looking forward to him and he's just kind of a schmuck and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> oh, come on. They gave you him in a shower. Uh, he's kind of, well, anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't like the other guy. He was in Shameless, and I didn't like Shameless, mm -hmm. so I think I just had kind of a bad attitude going going into the film. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, well, it's time once again for our regular trip down the aisle of the abandoned video store as we crack open the plastic cases of two more picks. Uh, Kelly, what do you have for us this time? American expatriate Jimmy is trying to run an honest cattle ranch in Mexico alongside his best bud, Felipe trying to stay out of the sights of local gangster and competitor Enrique, whose fiancé guy happens to be sweet on. Something else is up, though. Cattle are disappearing, and local borracho poncho, a cringe-inducing stereotype, is being menaced in various and sundry fashion. Now listen, I know this is technically a Weird West movie, and the poster promises a creepy dinosaur hovering over our sweet senorita, but I gotta admit... This film is a lot more romantic Western drama than anything else. However, eventually the shy critter makes his appearance and a good old-fashioned cowboy brawl ensues. So hang in there, partner. Sooner or later, we're going to meet the Beast of Hollow Mountain. No one has dared to come this far. Last time, Barack. You're too superstitious, Benoit. You're afraid of your own shadow. Not my shadow, senor. It's the shadow of that cursed mountain. Here is high adventure. And in the glorious and colorful Southwest. Starring Guy Madison as the courageous rancher who tried to solve the secret of Hollow Mountain, hiding place of a monster spawned in the dawn of time. He dared to ride where no man had ever set foot before. Patricia Medina, the menace of the beast, stood between her and the man she loved. I'm getting married tomorrow. I do not want to be a widow or the wife of a murderer on my wedding.
<laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I watched this twice. I watched the regular version, and then I watched the Mystery Science Theater version. And I, I have to say, to those of you out there who haven't seen it, watch the Mystery yeah. Science Theater version because at least that's funny. Um, I gotta say, I mean, I love old movies. I really do. I will put, I will watch an Attack of the Crab Monsters any day of the week. I, I, I or, or like you know. Uh, the monster of Pedras Blancas and all that stuff. I love that stuff. But um, this movie takes forever before we. I was watching the ticker on it. You literally get past the hour mark yeah. before you see yep. the damn dinosaur. Yep. <laughs> yep. I counted too because I was like, when's this homie showing up? And then. First thing you get, I mean, first of all, okay, I know it was supposed is written by Willis O'Brien, and so you're thinking, oh, we're gonna get some pretty cool effects, right? And well, he didn't actually do the effects himself, and I think it's painfully obvious that he didn't do it because they're very herky jerky stop motion. Um, and, like the first time you really see him, he literally they have him the the, the dinosaur pick up a cow. And take off, and it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my oh. life. It looked like a hand puppet picking up a like a stuffy. Yeah, it looks so bad. Um, yeah, it, it, and then after that, you've literally got what like twelve minutes left mm-hmm. of the film, uh, or something. <laughs> um, I, I I think the only things I can think of that are really noteworthy about it, it's like okay, this was actually filmed on location uh, in Mexico. So that, that gives it a little bit of a step up from the usual, oh, this, is, this was filmed, you know, near uh, Los Angeles or Santa Barbara or something. Um, but I think, you like you had mentioned in your intro about Poncho. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it's the worst uh, Mexican stereotype character you will ever see in your life. It, it, it's it's the, the standard... Oh, the overweight, lazy Mexican who's drunk and sleeping all the time. Right. Ugh. It's so bad. And I I mean, and the worst part of it is it was really played by a Hispanic guy. And so, it, it, you know, the guy was probably some Shakespearean trained actor, <laughs> you know, who was like, I can't believe I have to speak this horrible dialogue, you know, and it, it's so embarrassing I, I i was watching and i'm thinking to myself this guy must have been humiliated and really needed that check well and part of it it's it's lingered over so much because i don't think it's the worst stereotype i've ever seen in my life i think it's a common one and we see it in a lot of films but it's so present in this film uh you because you poncho is this borracho you know he's a drunk he's got his son ponchito um, and yes. you, I felt like, oh, we we're going to see a, a little bit, but th- there was a lot of Poncho's antics <laughs> and, and it's very yes. funny. Cause like Jimmy and, um, his, his left right hand dude, Felipe played by the absolutely gorgeous Carlos Rivas. I mean, just talk mm. about stealing every scene, like such a beautiful man, but they're very, um, <laughs> Ha ha! Oh, Poncho, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you need to intervene and help this man and his child. And they're very like, oh, well, you know how it is. And I'm like, damn. 
like, I mean, I guess, you know, it was a different era, of course, but um, still, sure. it was like, they didn't seem to have any concern about Panchito's safety, and Panchito's like, what, eight years old or something? Yeah, they don't seem to give a shit that his dad is like this horribly flaming alcoholic uh, raising this child, and it, it's just, oh, God. It, 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 like you said, the worst part about it is he showcased yeah. a lot in the first yeah. half. Now, remind me, does Poncho eventually get eaten or quicksanded? Oh, okay, he does. I couldn't remember because they certainly put him yeah. in peril a lot. Um, and then they kind of let the son, like at one point they're like, well, we'll let you work here. But then they have the son sort of watch over his dad. I'm like, okay, this is dysfunctional, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And they, and they, they, they go, um, at one point, you know, like the, when, when Poncho finally gets it, they, they go and they tell, oh, the mom's like, um, oh, well, you're going to find out anyway. He's dead. He, he died out in the swamp. Oh, no! And so the kid, of course, immediately runs straight out to where the swamp where they don't want him to go. Yeah, that was like a, a uh, servant or something that told them, right? She, she oh, it was, wasn't the mom? I, I don't think it, there don't was know. a mom. I think that's why Panchito was with Poncho. But, um, mm. yeah, so Poncho runs off to get himself in peril. and uh, So they have to rescue him. I have to him, say, though, for the, like, I actually do like this movie, but it's very slow. And... Um, the first hour is almost just like a straight up Western drama, right? Because there's oh, absolutely. several things kind of going on. It's not an inadequate story at all. Um, if the, I had to laugh at this one scene, right? Because Jimmy and, uh, is her name Sarita? Yeah, Sarita. they've got a crush on each other, but both of them are too honorable to do anything about it. And Sarita is engaged to the son of a bitch, Enrique. I think that's his name. <laughs> He's the local black market evil cattle rancher. And Jimmy is the upstanding good <clears throat> white uh, cattle rancher, right? <laughs> I right, was waiting right. for that, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but, but Sarita and Jimmy, aren't. they're not going to have an affair or anything. They're not those kinds of people or whatever. Fine. But there's this tension. It's actually pretty nicely done romance, in my opinion. But there's this one scene where, where they meet at a, um, uh, I think it's a graveyard or cemetery, and they have mm -hmm. a little talk. And I, I'm sure the dialogue is pretty good. But it, the gist is that he says, "I think I'm going to leave town because I have a crush on you, and and you're getting married, and I can't handle it, basically." And um, right. it's very well done, but he gets up and gets on his horse and rides off. And the music is like implying this, like this huge amount of emotion. I'm like, settle down. This this yeah. movie does not <laughs> warrant that level of like sweeping grandeur as he rides away. It was just very. I was like, yeah, this movie's it, yeah. way, it's just like a regular western. It was very odd, right? Yeah, it it seems like it, it kind of reminds me like, you know, like the first half of From Dusk Till Dawn where you're like, oh, there's no monsters in this. It's just a right, gangster right, movie. Right, right, right. <laughs> then all of a sudden, oh, shit, there's vampires. <laughs> Except the, um, the Dusk Till Dawn had a lot of great horror and a lot of great titillation oh, yeah. to it. And this film, it's like, I think you see the monster's foot in a puddle at like 45 yep. minutes in. And then an hour in, you see the monster. And like you say, he's very uh, underwhelming. Um, he's he reminds me of one of my favorites, the um, Crater Lake Monster. He's got a similar, oh god, um, poorly animated. <laughs> but he's the monster yes. design is is pretty cute. He's I think he's kind of a T Rex. 
Um, and he has yes. a cute little flat head, but then he has this long tongue that is always moving. <laughs> which yeah, it's always like ah, he's ah, way. <laughs> he looks way more mean and nasty than a lot of monsters in the, in this era of film. Like he has a snarl. He's always they like really animated his little snarling lips and his tongue. So he's kind of kind yes. of unique in that way, but not realistic or. Uh, impressive I would have to agree yeah I I um when I was watching and one thing I can say is like I was like oh Patricia Medina yum <laughs> I thought she was gorgeous she's this beautiful woman I think she's um, uh she's a like British or American born English or something like she yeah. yeah she was born in Great Britain yeah yeah and we also haven't mentioned the fashion, which I took multiple screenshots, especially the men. I figured you, you Yeah, would. I was out of my mind, especially the men's fashion. I feel like her costumes were pretty underwhelming. But um, Carlos Rivas especially has a couple Western-style jackets and these striped trousers. Like, the fashion in this mm -hmm. was beautiful. Even um, Guy Madison uh, has some really – like, somebody involved <clears> – <throat> had a love for this, um, you know, traditional Mexican, um, Mexican influenced fashion. It was, it was quite striking and especially cause the film is not that impressive of a film, but, um, I really, really, like, I, like I said, I took a lot of screenshots. I was like, these are beautiful costumes. Well, it was, you know, and it was shot in a cinemascope. Right. So there was a real, you know, if you look at it, it's, the vista is a way a lot of the stuff is shot is yeah. really beautiful. Um, uh, and it's one of the few films that they did, uh, in conjunction, uh, with Mexico. Um, but, uh, and so you've got like a whole cast of mainly, uh, Hispanic actors, which is pretty rare really for that time. Um, but of course your, your lead is your, 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 uh, stalwart white dude. Um, <laughs> Guy Madison, who who mainly is known for uh, starring in uh, the Adventures right. of Wild Bill Hickok yep. TV series and also a radio show. Um, I remember because my mother would always tell me about how she used to watch that because it's like, oh, uh, you know, he had his sidekick Jingles, which I always thought was a great name for a sidekick. Is that, is that a horse <laughs> or a clown or what? What is that? No, no. Jingles was his sidekick uh, played by Andy Devine, uh, who was kind of like a. Uh, a rotund uh, char comic character actor. I have to say, Guy Madison looks like the type of guy that died of lung cancer <clears throat> like in his 60s. I'm going to make that call. I'm going to look it up. Um, oh, no. Probably. Emphysema, I mean, let's be emphysema honest. at 74. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> close enough. Uh, <laughs> I mean, everybody at that yeah. time was smoking yeah. like a chimney. Yeah, it's very sad, actually. Um, but... Uh, I did think it was funny that he that he played Wild Bill Hickok because he looks nothing like Wild Bill Hickok in any way, shape, or form. But I didn't even, wait until you said that. I didn't know Wild Bill Hickok was a real person. <laughs> so, I, did, I don't know. I don't know my Western history. Oh wait, wasn't oh he in God. Deadwood? Um, played by Keith Carradine. Yeah, I believe I so. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's coming back to me. I I don't. Uh, yeah, no, Guy Madison is like, he's like the studio idea of what a handsome white American 50s hero looks like, right? Which is to say, utterly bland. Right. Like, so bland that I can't oh, remember yeah, that, what he looks like, yeah. right? 
Yeah, if you look at genre cinema in the 1950s, you're, you're, you had all your, the, the heroes, you know, like a guy, Madison, um, or, um, oh, who was the dude who was in all those, uh, like John Agar oh, God, or, or, no. or, or something, you know, where they, they, they all have like a certain blandness about them, but also like kind of like a smug oh, yeah. thing about them. Like, that's right, Gerald I'm white. Moore and... Um... <laughs> Oh, who's Richard Denning? I mean, there's so many of them. And they yes. can, they're kind of yeah, like yeah, vaguely yeah, yeah. cigarette looking and, yeah, condescending as hell. There's so many of them. That's what I, I love Gerald Moore, though, because he was, he was uh, Philip Marlowe on oh, radio, and he was really, really yeah. good. He had such a great voice for that. I just remember him in Angry Red Planet, like, sexually harassing mm-hmm. um, Red or whatever her name was. and With his shirt, right. his astronaut shirt unbuttoned down to his navel. I'm like... What's going on with this space oh, uh, program? Come on, that's sexy. But yeah, like I like I said, I mean, you need <laughs> Carlos Rivas to be the lead. Like he was a good-looking man. He was good. Uh, I don't think he got killed, right? I think he was. He survived the events of the film. Did he? I think See, he that's did. The thing I Enrique don't even gets uh, eaten, and <clears throat> it's weird. Like right. they drag Enrique's body and like wedge it into a the rock crevice for no reason. <laughs> I was yeah. like, why are they doing that? But. Oh anyway, you know, it's it's not <laughs> I, I can see why you'd recommend people watch the Mystery Science Theater because it is pretty boring without and if you're gonna watch it, just know that you're not gonna see a lot of the monster, even though the monster features quite prominently on the promo materials and the posters and that kind of thing. Very true. Uh so what would you give uh, the Beast of Hollow? Well, Mountain? the costumes and the vibe went a long way with me, so I'd give it a seven. <laughs> okay. I <laughs> I'm gonna give it a three because it bored the like, shit out of me. Snore. I kept going like, "Oh my god, where's the goddamn dinosaur?" <laughs> I've got all day. Like you, you tricked me into watching a western, yeah. and that's it. There's no monster and that's in this, not right? Cool because there are so many better westerns I could have tricked you into watching. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, with that, we'll be back right after these messages with Hell Knight. What's your pleasure, sir or madam, and all you kiddies, too? Sandwiches, freshly made from quality ingredients, soft drinks, cool, tangy, and refreshing. A hot dog? There you are, tender, juicy, done to a turn with some fixings. Hamburgers, ma'am? Just the way you like them. Meaty, moist, and broiled to perfection. Soft drinks, kiddies? Take your choice, cold, tingly with flavor, all your favorite soft drinks for your selection. Something to eat for everyone, soft drinks to make your evening complete. Delicious, fresh, and satisfying to help your entertainment reach the peak of family fun. Many men of mystery have appeared. Now, coming on this stage in person, is the most amazing mystery man of all time, Houston, and the original Houston's Hallucinations. Starring the girls with Hex Appeal, Joyce Harris, Kathy Bard, Sherry Winters, Cindy Curtis. Girls, girls, and more girls, dressed in the most daring designs Paris has to offer. And if you want mystery, witness the unbelievable flight to outer space. See a girl without a middle and the weird and unusual burning of a she-devil. See all this and more in Houston's Hallucinations coming on this stage soon. 
extra, extra, the first time on any American stage, see the talked-about girl in the topless swimsuit. It's sexational. Out of the depths of darkness rises Garganta, the true king of monsters. He's on his way, alive, in person, to scare the yell out of you. Garganta, on the stage, in Dr. Siltini's giant triple scream show, for the first time on any stage. The stage show that brought you the Frankenstein monster in person now brings you direct from Hollywood, Garganta, the giant gorilla of the universe, alive and in person in a three-hour performance filled with more chills, thrills, laughs than you've ever experienced in this century. It is engrossing, exciting, fascinating, filled with tense climaxes, gripping scenes, beautiful starlets. Yes, it's Garganta, this wild, inhuman menace, this 782 pounds of dynamite that makes Kong the gorilla look like a monkey. And that's not all. During the dark sea ends when all the lights are dim, ghosts, spirits, and vampires descend into the audience. You may find yourself holding a ghost, a girl, or someone else's girl. So watch out when the lights go out. But as Mae West would say, it'll separate the men from the boys. In New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, critics have proclaimed this stage of costumes designed by Adrian. Yes, it's a stage show for every performance in the dark sea ants, but the adult may be afraid to walk home alone. Now is your first and only chance to see in person, on stage, and alive, Garganta, the giant gorilla of the universe. Watch for it. Remember the time, the place, and the date to see Garganta, alive and in person. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies, meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others, too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fried But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information, too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. And now, on with the show. And we're back. When the annals of college histories have been written, the hijinks of Alpha Sigma Rho will reign near the top. Heck, young Peter Bennett has an idea for the greatest hazing prank ever. Trap four of their new pledges inside old Garth Manor overnight and scare the hell out of them. Our four protagonists are young, sexy, and horny as hell. Perfect for deformed killers to pick off one by one, right? Things go off the rails as a shadowy figure begins decapitating his way through the kids 
and our final girl, Marty, is determined to make it out alive. With the aid of the powers of Matthew Starr and a well-placed gate spike, Marty might just make it to the dawn and survive Hell Night. Welcome to Garth Manor. In order to be a member of Alpha Sigma Rho, one has to do what? To stay in Garth Manor one night. And why is this night so special? Because 12 years ago, Raymond Garth murdered his family here and then committed suicide. And when the police arrived, they discovered a note written by Raymond Garth describing the entire gruesome act. But strangely, they only discovered three dead bodies. Andrew is still believed by some to be living somewhere within this house. Hey, let's party, Quaaludes and Jack Daniels. Oh my gosh, this is one radical chick. <laughs> All right. Now the fun begins. <laughs> hey! Robin Hood to the rescue! <laughs> Woohoo! So, now, is this a slasher that you had seen previously? It was not. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, oh, cool. I like finding ones that you haven't seen before. So, what would you what, what would you, what'd you think? Well, first of all, Linda Blair's career is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone listening knows she was the kitty in The Exorcist. And I was, what, what year was The Exorcist? Um, 72? Okay, so I was not born yet, and so by the time <sighs> I yeah, by the time I came to know about The Exorcist, it almost had like a legendary, um, you know, reputation. Yes, and I watched it, and I'm like, it's not that great. <laughs> so, oh, so, wow. Yeah, so I missed the whole like Exorcist fanatic. Like, it's just not a film I particularly care for or find any good. 
Um, I didn't even I didn't even like the book that much, but uh, I will. I feel like Linda Blair. It really put Linda Blair on the map because of how much people did love The Exorcist. Sure. And so uh, in her later years, she got a lot of roles, like a lot of sort of exploitation roles. I, I think uh, just a year or two before this film, she was in Roller Boogie. Um, right. That was kind of her grown up like sex symbol era. Um, so when I when I heard she was like the main, you know, the good girl in this, I. I think I thought it was going to be more, I, I wasn't prepared for her character in this. She is essentially just about the sweetest final girl in any horror film. Oh like yeah. She's yeah. Just yeah. a sweetheart. She's not, she's not particularly like virginal. She's not particularly scared. She's just like a really sweet person. And it was yeah. really weird to see that in a slasher film. Cause that's not really, those aren't the kind of characters you see in slasher films. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, granted, everybody else is is super horny and all over each other. And although, interestingly enough, as horny as they are, they never seem to like take their underwear off or anything. They just kind of (laughs) roll around on the bed and and laugh and giggle and reminisce about times past. Like abandoned house. Yes, skanky. I'd be keeping a lot of my clothes on. I mean, more than just my underwear. Seriously, I get a tetanus shot after being in this house. Right, exactly. After being in this house and after being around Vincent Van, Van Patten's character. <laughs> so, uh, so the setup was, can you remind me? Because I saw this a long okay. time, like several so weeks ago. The whole setup is that they're, they're, they, they go there because they're pledges to, you know, these fraternities and uh, sororities. And what the whole thing is they have to stay overnight in, in this house where supposedly this guy murdered his whole family and disappeared. And, uh, if they can make it to daylight, then they'll, you know, be admitted to these frats and sororities. And so they've got like these, these, these things set up like a projector that show, it like looks like a, a projects a ghost and, you know, sound effects of moaning and chains and stuff to scare people. But of course, there's a real menace there, you know, that's going to kill people. And they kill a bunch of those actual, the other people first before they go after the main four. And um, there's actually a really pretty awesome uh, decapitation. Um, yeah. With that, that one girl, she gets pulled down in that hole yeah. in the ground. And they do a pretty good decapitation yeah. where he's like holding her hair and he's got like, I don't know if it's a machete or whatever it is. Um, but apparently they actually had to trim that because it's even more graphic before. But, um, uh, yeah. And I, I like this film. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I think like you were saying, Linda Blair is a very sweet character and you do root for her. And I, I think that there's some moments, uh, that are genuinely creepy. Um, like the yeah. scene where uh, I think it's Vincent Van Patten and, and his lady are, are in their bed and you see like this trap door start slowly opening up in the foreground when they're in the background and you, you see this figure start to come up out of the, out of the floor. I mean, I thought that was really well done. The scene um, with the rug was good too. Yes. Um, because it, it's like, is that supernatural? It almost looked like a supernatural effect, right? This creepy, you know, rising shape in the rug and 
I think they tear the rug off and it's a creepy dude. And yeah. I have to laugh at the setup because they're, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're getting a tour of this haunted house or whatever. And the tour guide is explaining the family lore. And I swear to God, that scene went on for so long. Uh, yeah, at the beginning, the yeah. The gist is that, listen, there's a bunch of people that could be the bad guy from this family. It's this guy or the brother or the other brother or the daughter, right? Yeah. It's just like this long, I'm like, all right, got it, got it. There's going to be multiple um, antagonists, got it. Like, But it just felt like it went on for so long. <laughs> it's like, And then he killed this, you know, his his son, and then he killed his daughter. I'm like, all right, all right. So. <laughs> okay, let me tell you about my memory of this film. I, the first time I saw this, I think was like HBO, you know, uh, back in like 83 or 84 or something. And it freaked me the hell out. Um, but there's a subplot that comes up with, um, Vincent Van Patten's character, uh, Seth, where he is able to get out over the fence kind of hurts himself a little bit getting over the fence but you know he makes it and he goes and this is this is a big chunk of uh, it takes up a lot of the film mm-hmm. a big chunk of footage so he goes and he gets back into town and he's clearly his clothes yeah. are torn he's bloody and he goes into the co- uh, the police department oh my god my friends are being murdered you've got to help you got to get police over there and, and the cops like yeah whatever Right, you know, I I had it with you guys. I had it up to here. You you just need to get the hell out of here. And, and first of all, the guy's covered with blood, clearly injured, and they completely ignore him and threaten him with arrest if he doesn't leave. Okay, first you got that. <clears throat> then he's like, okay, well, you know, damn it, these police won't listen to me. So he turns, he looks over there. Oh look, there's an open door. Well, what is it? Oh, it's only the room with all of the ammunition and weapons Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's not locked, doesn't have a code on it, or any type of security of any kind. It's just a a, a room filled with with guns, uh, bullets, (laughs) grenades, whatever you need. It's all there. And so he just wanders in there, starts stuffing everything in his pants. Get a bandolero and, you know, whatever. Oh, I'm going to take this machine gun and this rifle and this handgun and, and these bullets. And, and he's just stuffing everything. And then he climbs out the window. That's <laughs> also open. It's the and, lackadaisical police uh, yeah, uh, and I'm like, building, I, yeah. I've never in my life, coming from a police family, I can tell you, that does not happen <laughs> ever. Well, and, I love that he didn't, he just gave up. Right. Like, yes. I, I'm like, listen, even if that first guy didn't believe you, he was not very persistent in trying to get, no, like, there's other cops in involved. there. Yeah. Right. And as you could tell in that scene, they ain't that busy. Right. <laughs> you know, they make it sound like, Oh my God, we've been harassed by you kids all night. They're and they're all kind of hanging out there. Yeah, yeah. They're all just sitting there like, you know, eating a hot dog and whatever. And so then, you got his whole thing of him like now he's all armed to the teeth. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get back to gotta get back, gotta get back. And so he goes back over the fence, and I'm still trying to figure out how did he get over that fence? Because he needed help on the other right, side right. to get up this slippery fence that's just, you know, poles, whatever. And so he gets in there, and again, bear in mind here 
that uh, <laughs> we have spent, I think they've devoted like 15 minutes of time mm-hmm. to this. So he finally gets in there and he's like, I'm here to rescue you guys. And he's got the gun and he goes, bang. And he shoots this one dude and he's super proud of it. Oh, I got the killer. We're all safe. We can go home, everybody. And the next thing you know, he turns around, oh, no, and drops the gun, and the guy kills him. (laughs) I'm like, sorry, Seth. We really invested all that time so he could just get, like, just wiped out immediately. (laughs) I mean, what? Oh, my God. And then, of course, you've got, you know, um, our uh, Peter Barton, our uh, 80s Tiger Beat hunk of the moment because he was starring in the uh, Powers of Matthew Starr TV series. Um, he, he does not mean a good end either, and I was actually surprised. Yeah, I mean, we you know, thought we, he was going to make it. The, yeah, because they yeah. built this romance with him and Linda Blair that it wasn't sexual or anything, but it was just like a cute, you can tell they like each other. Yeah, it was like a like they were actually going to probably have a relationship, right? They, they right. were getting to know each other. They were cuddling and talking. Yeah, it was very cute, right? Right. And no, that doesn't happen. No, he gets picked up and chucked. <laughs> I mean, how far did this guy have to throw him to get to impale him on the spikes uh, of the fence? Uh, when they've already by, you know, shown previously that the, that the, the, the grounds of this manor are enormous. I mean, it, it's literally it's like a jungle that you have to get, go through to get to the gate. It's not like, oh, it's like 20 feet and there you are at the gate. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, and I, I just I found that kind of silly. I, I did like the design, the makeup of the – because, spoiler alert, again, there's two killers, not just one. And uh, I liked the look of that. I love the house. And, yes, that was a real house that they filmed in. It wasn't a set. Um. I forget what the name of the house. There was an actual name of what the house was that they filmed at. Oh, oh, yeah, it was it was called the Kimberly Crest Mansion. Oh, yeah, uh, in Redlands, California. And um, I, I I I I liked it. It was a change of pace. It wasn't the usual uh, stock and slash on a college campus kind of thing. It was a lot more gothic. And since everybody was wearing Halloween costumes, you got kind of like a, you know, a different look with with the people's uh, outfits and stuff. Yeah, I think that was the director, you know, talked about not he wanted a horror movie where it wasn't just teenagers in jeans and t-shirts, right? He wanted right. To, that was a pretty inspired little um, aspect. They're all in costumes and, yeah, and um. Yeah, it was it was paced um, well, actually. I thought, except that whole sidebar that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, but I do feel like they basically killed off everybody, and and she survives at the very end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I would have I would have liked a couple more survivors because it kind of felt like Peter Barton's character was just killed off last minute. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that was kind of odd, especially because we had invested in their. Uh, you know, it looked like they were having an actual relationship, right? And then he just, they're like, impale him. Wah. Yeah. <laughs> I would have loved it if they had had that sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> I do <laughs> like <laughs> how <laughs> many times people climbed over that fence because 
they give you the fence foreshadowing at the beginning and you're like, oh, someone's going to get impaled on the fence. But the, there were scenes <laughs> where people climbed over it successfully and you were like, okay, is this when it's going to happen? <laughs> so, Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think it wouldn't surprise me if like Peter Barton asked to be take, taken out <laughs> of the film because he hurt himself while he was filming. Um, <laughs> so you see him, like he's in actual physical pain. That's why you see Aww. him limping all the time. Jeez. Um, for the majority of the film, so I I I think it's supposedly he had to like really twisted his ankle really really bad, um, but um, yeah, I I was really glad that the this was kind of rescued from a um a bit of a video limbo. There hadn't been a release of this thing since 1999, uh, as far as DVD goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scream Factory, I know for a couple of years, had announced it, and they um, had to go through some legal wranglings, and they restored it. Uh, the Blu-ray looks fantastic. It really looks nice. Um, <clears throat> and um, what would you give it? Oh, gosh. I don't, I, I don't know, like a six? I mean, it just – it was fine. Um, I think I just – I don't know. It wasn't that – it wasn't scary, and it was. I, I think I was disappointed that I don't know. I just I don't know. I just didn't like it. Although I think it was a pretty fun film. So I don't know. Six. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I give it a seven. Um, I I think it's a little bit of like a a notch above a lot of eighties oh, slashers. Yes, it's better than a lot of shit we watch for sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> and we uh, watch like, a lot. Yeah. It just wasn't um it wasn't as fun as I think I was hoping for and I think I didn't like the guys in it. Uh I just didn't like them and so that's kind of hard to watch, you know. Well, a lot of them were like your standard frat creeps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I liked her a lot and I liked the slutty British girl. Um I liked her too, actually. She was really sweet. Um you know, it's funny because, like, you know, oh, she not only did she bring some booze, she brought some blow with her. Yeah, she was ready to party. <laughs> she she was, was ready to go. She was. She's the friend you want to hang out with, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was and, great. And even though she was like, you know, she was hooking up with Seth and everything, you could tell she wasn't just like, oh, we're just going to go have sex now, Seth. She wanted to have a good time. Yeah, it was you know? actually it was kind of unusual in that yeah. the two couples had more of a friendly, sweet, uh, it was just interesting. I, that was different, right? Because slashers, it's usually just sex, right? And the, yeah. they were, these were actual kind of like cute little relationships. It was very odd. Yeah, because yeah, they had the whole conversation with her and Seth where he's, she's asking him about what it's like to surf. Right. And stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you don't usually get that. You know, usually you Friday the 13th, it's like, That's why hasn't right. she taken her top off yet? Exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually, I did kind of like that because it was more realistic of, of, you know, they're they're hanging out. You know, they're having sex and they're drinking and all that, but they're also just hanging out. Yeah. So, yeah. I see that you can stay, well, you can stay at the Kimberly Crest Mansion. Oh, can you now? Well, not during COVID, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It looks good. And they have princess at the castle. I'm not sure what that is, but it's hmm. <laughs> you can dress up in a princess dress. I'm not sure. Sure, but yeah, why not? it looks great. It's in great shape. I wonder if they. I wonder if the website mentions this film. <laughs> I bet it doesn't. <laughs> oh well, I mean, hmm. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, uh, I forgot to mention that I do have the. Uh, 
Friday the Thirteenth Blu-ray set coming. Oh, have you heard about that? That no. the Shout Factory uh, put out. It's it's every single Friday the Thirteenth film, uh, all the way up to the the uh, the remake or the reboot that they did in two thousand nine. It's also got you know um, Freddy versus Jason and oh god. Uh, so it's got Unfortunately, all of I've them. Unfortunately, I've seen that one. <clears throat> oh, I think that one's hilarious. Oh god. P- plus, it's got some great gore in it. Yeah. Um. And it, it is, it, it's an amazing set that's got literally hours and hours of extras on it that I'm, uh, and also it has some of the deleted scenes from part two, some of the gore that was cut. So, uh, that, uh, Tom Savini did that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, but that, that arrives on Tuesday. Nice. <laughs> so how many films is that in total? Oh God! Well, um, you go up to which is part eight is uh, the Jason takes Manhattan. Then you've got uh, Jason goes to hell. That's nice. Uh, Twelve or thirteen? Twelve films on sixteen discs. In a yeah, there's a lot. Like I said, there's a lot of extras and stuff. I bet there is. And it comes with a poster and everything. Life-size cutout of Jason. There you go. That's great. Are you dressing up for Halloween this year? I I am actually. Are you? Do you tell people what you're going to be, or is it a surprise? Uh, Sure. Yeah. No. I I I'm dressing up as uh, Joel Robinson. Oh, cute! You got a little jumpsuit. I do. I've got my Gizmonics. uh, Which color jumpsuit do you have? Red. I went with red for Joel. Yes. Nice. Well, one of our so Phoenix and I are dressing up. I don't. I, it is a secret until the day of. But um, one of our costumes does also involve a jumpsuit. So jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. They're practical. Jumpsuits are practical. Well, now I'm going to have to try and figure. Yeah, this try out. to guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also want to mention I found a really cool YouTube channel called Dead Meat. Have you ever heard of it? <laughs> I like it already. If yeah, right. The title. <laughs> I. It's a podcast, um, but they also do kill counts for for horror movies. And I do like, like, first of all, there's a million of these horror podcasts and YouTube channels. There's tons of them. Sure. And um, what makes this one, it's actually good. And the host, he really knows his shit. And he seems like a really cool person. Because sometimes these horror podcasts are hosted by absolute pigs. And like, I'll be listening to one and then he says some offensive shit and I'm like, I'm out. Uh, So this guy is great. So it's dead meat. And what I like is, okay, Friday the 13th. I don't necessarily want to watch a bunch of those films, but I would watch the 20 minute synopsis where he goes through and shows you, (laughs) you know, the kills and the sort of plot. So I like it because there are films that just, I'm not going to make time to watch, but I, I will watch that little synopsis. And it's also fun to watch after you've seen the movie. So like after you watch Halloween 2018 and you watch his review or his kill count. So I just want to give props. It's a, I think he's got like 4 million subscribers or something. Oh, wow. Um, but it's called Dead Meat. And I, I really, really dig it. And I'm going to, um, it's so funny. I told Phoenix last night, I said, I found this really cool site. And Phoenix is like, oh yeah, I've watched so many of his videos. I'm like, you little, <laughs> like, why did you not tell me? Like, oh, anyway. I'm I'm definitely gonna have to look that up. That yeah. sounds good. Um, also, um, I'm I've been appearing on uh, Dan Budnick's uh, eventually Super Train podcast 
for a couple of months now. Uh, we're covering the 1981 William Conrad Lee Horsley Nero Wolf series. Um, the latest episode just came out. Uh, we're, we're discussing the episode Death and the Dolls. That's a lot of fun. Uh, Dan's great. Uh, we're trying to get Dan on here as a guest. He really wants to come on. So we're trying to figure out our technical side so we can actually have a third person here and not look like the amateurish well, thing that we, we are. Can <laughs> we can definitely do it using this program we're using today. I've, I've used this program to be on um, with, there were four of us actually. And one was in Wales, one was in, uh, oh, wow. yeah. So uh, this would work. Um, it, the doing a live production with multiple, that's much trickier, you know, where we sure. put the, yeah. But um, yeah, I'm, I could definitely host a, a Dan through the same software. But um, what's the eventually super trained? What, where does that name come from? Uh, well, okay, there was a series, <laughs> a humongous uh, series in uh, like 1980, 81, 82, somewhere around there, um, that was a huge bomb for NBC. <laughs> called uh, Super Train. And it was kind of like, you know, you know how you had those hour-long anthology shows? or Not, I, I, not necessarily anthology. It's like anthology with continuing characters like Love Boat or Fantasy <laughs> Island, okay. right? Where you'd have multiple stories going on, but you'd have like your regular characters that would frame what was going on. And so it was a super train <laughs> okay great sounds great and so you had stories that went on on the super train and so that's where the the title of his show comes from because it's it's um uh limited run series okay so generally anything that ran a season or less so like the one that we're covering the nero wolf series only has 14 episodes um and uh, I think right now he's also doing the other segments. He's doing Auto Man. Oh God! This Ralph yeah. is the list. Ralph, like you, was raised by TV, which is yes. so sad. And but like, because <laughs> I'm like Auto Man. I'm like or Manimal. Has he yes, done he's Manimal? already done Manimal. Oh, because I'm like, if he hasn't done Manimal, I has he done Baywatch Nights? I don't believe he's done Baywatch Nights yet. Can you just put in a word for me with Baywatch Nights? <laughs> I, yes, uh, I I believe the other show he's doing is the the David Lynch show on the air, which oh. only lasted six episodes, and I don't even think they all aired. Uh, so that's what he's doing right now. Um, so he goes through each, he leapfrogs through these. That's a really yes. brilliant, and eventually he will get to Super Train. Is that the that's, that's the, the that's the idea? Yes, gotcha. that's cool. and I mean Dan is hilarious. He is so damn funny and quick and uh, he also co-hosts uh, made for tv mayhem with right. amanda reyes and uh, nathan johnson and um uh, I, I both shows are uh, just fantastic uh dan's also covering like he's doing an episode by episode coverage of uh of happy days right now and also he he just finished doing uh, pieces in pieces, which was the film pieces, right. and every episode was like covered a minute of footage. Oh God, why? <laughs> oh, it was so good, and, and of course I have to have us do pieces because uh, that that's film, gotta be, yeah, is like, so. We should have a special birthday great. episode or something where you pick. Yes, you know, you pick all three, and then for my birthday, I pick all three. Or 
because oh, I'll, wow. I'll definitely be making you watch Midsummer again. My favorite. challenge accepted. Well, yeah, that would be super fun. No, I, pieces. We got to do pieces for sure. Uh, <laughs> yes. And we've got to somehow find a reason to do Sleepaway Camp again. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> that's well, like there are our, two sequels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was trying to convince Phoenix to watch that one with me, and he was like, nope. And I'm like, okay, yeah, the, the premise is deeply offensive. Got fair it. enough. Yeah, I'm like, fair enough for all of this. It's like, okay, got it. Yeah, made for TV mayhem. Her knowledge of um, TV uh, stuff is astonishing. Astonishing. Yeah, I, I have her book autographed. I met uh, I met her and Dan actually uh, back uh, January of last year, and uh, uh, what fun, just yeah. brilliant people. Yeah. Um. Well, that's it for this time. But in our next episode, we'll have some holiday treats for you and the whole family. If you'd like to get a hold of us, you can write to us at moviemorgwan at att.net. And you can follow our latest rantings on our Facebook page or our Twitter and Instagram feeds. Remember to please get out and vote because your future depends on it. And like Spidey says, with great power comes great responsibility. See you in December. So happy, happy, I'm so happy, happy, I'm so happy, happy, everything is crumbling, everything is crumbling, everything is crumbling, Oh, honey.